This is Pretty Little Grown Men. We have returned. Yeah, Merry Christmas, bitches. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, I'm David Greenwald. And I'm Dom Sinicola. And we are here to talk about the Pretty Little Liars Season 5 Christmas Special, the first ever Christmas special of the show. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about the Halloween specials a few podcasts back. Uh, and this episode was pretty different, I think. It was, <laughs> it was really, uh, well, well, what did you think, Tom? Uh, uh, <laughs> I was not a fan of this episode. Um, it was, it just felt like two episodes sort of smushed together. Um, and yeah, I think that's maybe a nice way of putting it. I, I didn't, I think one thing that we can talk about, I'm not sure where to start really. I guess we could, we could start with, uh, that idea of sort of half ideas. Um, so, uh, last we left off, a major character, um, was ostensibly murdered and, I think I'm finally coming around to the fact that I'm just going to accept that she's dead. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Mona's, Mona's very dead. Yeah. Um, unless this episode is even weirder than we thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, so she, so the, the ghost of Mona, oh, uh, side note, um, we haven't, uh, lived up to our promise of covering the rest of Dancing with the Stars, partly because we just didn't care that much, but uh, we should probably tell you that uh, Janelle got second, I think. Or, Did she? I don't she know. didn't. I know she didn't win. I know she, she, didn't was, win. she was in the finals. So Carlton from the Fresh Prince, he won. Yeah, good. But for him. Janelle was uh, obviously made it to the to the finals. Um, I don't. We didn't watch the last episode, uh, and we didn't read about it really, besides confirming that she made it far. Yes. She didn't win. Yes. So, you know, good for you, Janelle. Uh, and she was a big force in this episode, which was nice to see, mm -hmm. uh, even though it was under strange circumstances. Well, so this episode, I guess, was doing two things. There was sort of like a standard PLL episode where the liars are trying to complete a quest. Um, in this <laughs> case, it was like a very Gossip Girl quest where they were going to this big charity ball and have to sneak out and, and break into Allie's house and, like, look for clues. Well, see, that's, you know, maybe, okay, that's that's the first point, and then I'm just realizing this now as you're summarizing it. The plot of this episode was so simple. Right. Which normally... And it's, well, and, and it gets launched by Hannah being approached by this lawyer mm -hmm. um, who says, In the hey, street, randomly. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mona's lawyer. Here's just some shit that I'm supposed to give you 30 days after she died. Yeah. Which is a very rudimentary looking map that Mona drew of Allison's house. And already you're like, well, why do the liars need a map of Allison's house when they are very well acquainted with its layout? And especially right. when the map itself doesn't look to be any more than something that someone would draw upon visiting Allison's house. Right. That was that seemed like a very weird thing to me because well, number one, you know, classic pretty little liars moment. They just get this envelope and they're like, Let's open it in the middle of the street. Let's <laughs> let's see what it is. Let's definitely not take it home and like thoroughly inspect it, you know. Right. 
Um, so that was sort of weird, and we don't really get a good look at it to see kind of what there is, what information to glean. You know, given that Mona was after Allison for years and had all of her diaries on her iPad and mm-hmm. stuff, or some of her diaries, you know, yeah. and all this information, you would think some of that would have like been backed up and made available to Lucas or to, uh, you know, Hannah or whoever would be the recipient. That's really good you point. Know? Yeah. Like, where is her treasure trove of stuff? Like, to, she's too smart to not have done that. Well, and that's another thing is, uh, is that felt very uncharacteristically uh, Pretty Little Liars, I guess, was the, the weird lack of information available to the liars after this main character died. Another thing I think that... Um, felt really off uh, throughout the whole episode was how unthreatening A felt in this right. whole episode. I mean, the beginning we get uh, after they've gotten this stupid map, uh, they donate to, of course it's Arya who donates to Cherry. Like, of course it is. Uh, she puts money into the, you know, like the, the Salvation Army Santa's bucket and he hands her. <laughs> He hands her a snow globe, and they take it, like, because, you know, they live in rich Rosewood, where you get a, a snow globe for donating to charity. Right, right. Um, and it's a, it's a snow globe with all the girls' pictures on it, and on the back, it's basically A saying, like, uh, what, it's like, take a holiday or yeah, something. Yeah, take, take winter break, you know. <laughs> a, a just being like, hey, uh, you know, even A's got family. <laughs> let me, right, right. Let me celebrate, <laughs> Come on. Chill out. I just want to, like, sit in front of the fire, drink some hot cocoa, you know. Drink some eggnog. Take it easy. Well, man, yeah, I don't know. There were so many strange things about this episode, and it was laid out in a way that I found very confusing. Yeah. Um, because we had that story, which, now that I think about it, what if it was all set up? This lawyer comes out of nowhere, says, oh, yeah, I worked with Mona. Here's some random shit. Like, Allison's throwing this charity ball you know, obviously that's a that's a time when she would be out of the house, so she makes her house basically available for the liars. Mm-hmm. A comes in and or someone in a hoodie comes in, doesn't hurt really, knocks Hannah over, but doesn't kill her, doesn't yeah. scratch her mm-hmm. even. It's still there. Like, you know, allows allows Hannah to like find this information, this letter from Bethany or from Allie to Bethany Young. Yeah, you know. Which is sort of like, oh, here's the super convenient piece of evidence that we just found. Like, it just felt really convenient and easy. Well, and then, and why aren't the liars questioning anything that's going on? Right. You know, the lawyer finds Hannah on the street. No one's like, hey, that, that's weird. Where did this guy come from who just recognizes me somehow? Right. Um, when did you start working with Mona? Like, what else do you do you have? Yeah. And then uh, and then after all the shenanigans happen in Allison's house, why doesn't why doesn't Spencer Spencer out of anybody question like, oh, why didn't this person kill Hannah? Why did this person not hurt Hannah? I mean, right. a the A team tried to kill Arya before. Sure. They tried to kill Hannah by running her down with a car. I mean, they just, yeah. I mean, but then they just, you know, Mona's dead. Yeah. Like, what's the end game? What's the point? They're not, they're not questioning anything. Right. Right. Well, and so all that, this whole story of like, um, Spencer being on bail for, for murder. Uh, and by the way, if you're on bail for murder, where are your parents? Like, why are your parents not like, 
locking you in your room. Right. Why is she just out, like, chilling on winter break, you know? Right. Where are Mr. and Mrs. Hastings throughout? Or literally, I mean, there are no parents in this episode at all, which was super weird. That's another thing that feels so off about this episode is it's just feels, it feels so removed from the world that's been being, that's been built in this, in this series up until now. It feels like it's just like taking five huge steps backwards. Well, I think that brings us to the secondary or the other, the Allison plot line, which is like a riff on A Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Allison is like having a dream or whatever, and she sees her mom, Mm -hmm. who's like, (laughs) Uh, and then Mona comes out in her full goth makeup, which is fun, uh, and like scares Allison slightly, and then sends her (laughs) on this like Ghost of Christmas Past thing, and shows her herself as a child, being taught by her mother to lie about these two gifts. About a twin. Yeah, and her mother's like, if your dad finds out that I have these two identical gifts, he's going to leave us. Mm-hmm. Basically saying, like, I have this other kid with another person yeah. that you don't know about, maybe. Like, obviously, Allison then, from then on, knows about it and has this, like, other sister that she's jealous of. And even in that situation itself... Um, I mean, not to say that there haven't, hasn't, haven't been stretches of logic on the show before, but, um, if it's like such a, such a incredible, um, secret to keep of this other person, why would you hide two presents, two identical presents right next to each other in a piano and your daughter plays, like, none of it makes any fucking sense. Oh yeah, completely, very completely silly. And why not just do it as a flashback? Right. Like, it's really more information for the audience than anything else. It, like, Allison doesn't really walk away from that, like, having had any epiphanies. Like, this is this is what I thought was so weird about doing A Christmas Carol. That would have been a great episode of Pretty Little Liars to do Allie's A Christmas Carol. Yeah. But instead we get this fractured scene, and then we get another scene of Christmas Future where Allie is, like, you know, in a coffin with apparently her legs cut off or something. Yeah, loses her legs somehow. And it's just like this scary moment in a church, and her mom's like, whoa, it's all my fault, oh no. The only thing that that I felt was emotionally resonant at all in this whole episode uh, was when Allie's like, am I going to go to hell? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that actually like feels good, that actually she might might actually feel some remorse for who she is as a person. But she seems generally unsurprised by the presence of, like, these ghosts and stuff also. And then later she's just like, this isn't real. Like, I'm aware that this is a dream and I've had these weird supernatural encounters before. Mm-hmm. It's, like, totally not a big deal. Yeah. Like, she's just very like, oh, yeah, this is happening again. Yeah. Um, right. So that whole, that whole thing was, it was, it wasn't even a framing device. It wasn't even framing the episode. It was just it was like, just like these two, Yeah, it's just like these two random segments in the plot of this other episode, which was very confused because we also see Allie like go to this party and interact with all these people, and we find out that uh, Jenna and Jenna's little water polo friend, Sydney, Sydney, you know, have glommed on and become Allie's new minions, uh, which is which is pretty interesting. But I, uh, but they but they said they're doing it just to get close to her, right? Just to like they believe that she killed Mona, right? Which is such a weird thing that the liars and everyone believes that they that Allie killed Mona, and they're just like sort of calmly going vigilante. Like there's no, 
I know that they don't trust the the police force, although Toby is now a member of the police force. Right. And yet there's a murder at stake. Well, didn't he just graduate from police academy? Is he actually a cop yet? He graduated from police academy, but he immediately was injured. Right. Right. Well, and that was the other, like, not only do you have the Christmas Carol illusion, but you also have the rear window one Mm -hmm. where he's, like, sitting in uh, Spencer's house with a telephoto lens and and a broken leg, (laughs) which, you know, great, a great reference. Very, very cool. Uh, But it's like you're just dumping all these film references in this episode. Yeah. Instead of, like, I don't know. It's just, I, I wish they'd actually done a full... Christmas Carol theme episode and just made it one mm-hmm. of, you know, th- do like the noir episode and just do a whole thing. Yeah. You know, and actually like have Allie see the impact that she's made on people's lives as opposed to just like literally only seeing herself. Right. That's, and that's maybe what it felt like. Like the episode felt like it was trying to push the plot along. It was trying to get, it was trying to get through some certain points really quickly. Right. While at the same time trying to be a Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just sort of like, it could, if, if they didn't introduce Allie's Christmas Carol subplot, then it would just be a winter episode, you know? Because there's no Christmas part to it. And then... Well, except for the like mod, the weird montage sequence at the end. Oh where, my god. Where again, there are no grown-ups. It's just like everyone and their boyfriends having this sort of like, I guess, fan service shipper moment. You know what's so crazy about that is, and maybe this is, uh, maybe this is being too picky, but, um, I don't really care. I feel like, um, it's, it's ridiculous how the way that they describe the fact that they're all stuck together on Christmas, because that's fucking bullshit. Like, you all live in the same town. There is literally no amount of snow that would keep you from being able to go home to your family on Christmas. Right. Like, that's fucking idiotic. And, um... And then, then you see the so you see like fucking Allie walking around outside, and there's like no snow on the ground. It's just like yeah, she's just wandering around. And totally then so, and and where are the Hastings? And and then like we have to sort of shove in this whole idea about Paige being gone, even though because she's gonna have enough credits by spring quarter because they have quarters in fucking high school for some goddamn reason. It is so infuriating. The last five minutes of this episode. Yeah, I the it's so strange that Paige is like, well, I have to leave Rosewood, and my parents want me to come to California, uh, which is like the super convenient place because that's where uh, Caleb's mom lives too, right? Mm. She lives in like you know yeah. Santa Barbara or whatever, mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, California, this magical utopia where nothing bad ever happens, you mm-hmm. know? Well, it does, you know. To be perfectly honest, and, and, and not to, but as as a as a person from Michigan, where it actually does snow. Yeah. feet at a time yeah um it felt like like someone like like a californian's idea of what a snowstorm is in pennsylvania where uh-huh. it's like you must be stuck inside it's impossible to walk outside yeah right, right. There's, <laughs> there's five inches of snow on the ground it's yeah i don't know man and if and if emily is so brokenhearted that she can't spend christmas christmas with her family like Emily, like, borrow one of Spencer's, a pair of Spencer's snow boots and walk home. Yeah, I mean, they just like, don't, the they just don't live that far apart. <laughs> yeah. Like, it shouldn't be that hard to get, to get home. Yeah, I don't know. There were lots of elements of it which were weird. Um, and then also, like, all the boys and Paige at the end, 
like taking their tops off and being like, ooh, sexy Santas. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Which understand. is like total fan service. Like total like, here's uh-huh. here's like a cute thing for you to put on your Tumblr, you know. Yeah. Like, I wonder how many desktop backgrounds became that image. Yeah. I You know, I mean, I guess some of the things, I usually gloss over the sort of very teen-centric elements of the show. Mm-hmm. But all the shipper stuff in this episode was like so front and center and so unavoidable. And apparently we are now far, far past the idea that uh, Ezria is somewhat questionable suspicious right it's she's pretty much just locked into ezra and he's like oh yeah this is what i want yeah this is what i've always wanted and everyone's just cool like and i don't even understand it like i know he's a young he's a relatively young guy like he's i don't know in his early to mid-20s sure um but there's no like I don't know. They're still high school students. Right. It should be, like, super awkward for him to be hanging out with this bunch of teenagers. Yeah. Yeah. And and then he's at this, like, dance, like, this high school dance. Sure. And no one's been like, oh, what is our former English teacher doing here? Right. Like, right. that's... no no. There's no adults. Like, that's another really weird thing is there is just no adults in this episode. Yeah. It was, it was a conspicuous absence. Um, besides Ghost Mom. Besides Ghost Mom. And also uh, the, the sexy detective in his Santa suit, which he like gradually starts stripping it off over the course of the, uh, the evening. Uh, do we think he was making out with Allie? Uh, I'd say... I mean, you know what the funny thing is? Is I'd say yes. Um, and normally I would avoid... Um, I would avoid speculating on something that's so obvious. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I don't care. That didn't feel like anything that I want to invest thought into. Well, it just felt like the show sort of handed us, like the show handed up, handed so much stuff over in this episode. Just like, well, here's some stuff. Yeah. Here's some, you know, it's not going to have to really work for it. That's like, that's so true. It didn't, like, it just did it didn't even, it felt like such a, and maybe this is like, you know, one of those weird things where, um, so, like, I think this is now, like, a time when I'm personally, truly reflecting on my commitment to this show. Not, yeah. not in any way that I'm going to stop. I'm not going to stop. You better not. No, hell no. But, I will say this. I have never before, in all the time that I've been watching this show, been so invested in the fandom of the show, or been so aware of it as much as I have been now, because we've been doing this, and, you know, now we're, like, watching... Like the the fan specials and and I like like pretty lives on Facebook, so I see all the, that like their fucking inane posts and all this stuff. Um, uh, and I'm you know and I'm aware of like the the lives of the actors outside of um, the show, but it 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 felt like there's such the show has never been so popular that there. Sure. There's such a crazy buildup to this episode that... And, it, yeah, and it also exists outside the sort of regular flow of the series. Yeah. You know, um, which is, I don't know, I guess they wanted to give us sort of a happy ending for Christmas and be like, here's some evidence that's going to get Spencer off, you know. But it's just like, that's not the tone of the show. No, and that's that's what it felt so, like. It, it, I, I knew that 
like you can't live up to the the hype that it has is is going to be really hard to live up to. And I understand, like, you know, that's fine. I wasn't expecting it to be like this groundbreaking special, but as an episode of Pretty Little Liars, it just felt so removed from everything. I felt like it just felt like weird to be put back into this world and then just nothing nothing felt right. Yeah, it just felt very messy. Um, I mean, I think the actual sort of plot takeaways are all interesting. Uh, Allie seeing herself dead with no legs. Um, the, the letter that Allie sent to Bethany, you know, having realized she existed and bringing her out so she could get murdered, presumably, over that Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, well, Cece's alive. Yeah, Cece, Cece <laughs> has returned, and she's Cece back. Cece possibly killed Bona. Yeah, I think the odds are pretty good that she did. I mean, it had to be one of the two of them. I yeah. really don't think it would be anybody else. And Cece would do it. She's fucking crazy. Yeah, I don't. I, I guess that's one thing I took away is I don't. I don't think. I don't think Allison killed Mona. Okay. Um, I think Cece. Yeah, Cece. Cece seems to be like weirdly obsessed with Allison, which maybe I never noticed before. Yeah. Um, but when she's describing, because she got her this perfume for Christmas, oh. and it's basically just, I spent all day at this store and described you, and by the time I was done, like, the guy knew what kind of, like, the exact perfect fragrance to make based on how I described you. Right. I would want to be like, what did you tell this guy? And what does that <laughs> yeah. fragrance smell like? Right. <laughs> um, and we find out that Allie has a new passport and a new identity, mm-hmm. which is the, um character from breakfast at tiffany's yeah i like how spencer basically implies that allison is a dumbass like it's just like that she's like she's she's (laughs) um projecting her her feelings of what happened in that movie yeah 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 holly holly barjek yeah barjek yeah i don't know i've never never read nor seen it's a right it's it's a good movie but it's also just like, also, we have so many film references in this episode already mm-hmm. with Rear Window, too. Like, what, how, you're just, it feels like mixed metaphors. It's just like, just pick one. Just like, pick one thing and, and stick with it. Well, that's the thing is, t- to what end? You know, I know that, like, that's Well, it's kind of like we... in, I mean, it's like in Lost, you know, where all these characters have names of significance, and then it ends up just being like, well, this is all just stuff we picked out of books just yeah. to make the show feel more you know, more interesting. That was, that was, that's a funny mention. Cause it's like, you know, uh, the, the characters on lost all had, it was either like famous philosophers or scientists. And, you know, and I know that we've talked about this a little bit, but one of the, like the big schisms in loss or conflict, it was always, I saw was always between, um, was science versus religion. Sure. Um, or, or fact versus like spirituality. And that, you know, you had Jack versus Locke. Right. And then, and that's what, one of the biggest disappointments I saw in the series was when they dropped that. And mm-hmm. it just became spirituality, mm-hmm. you know. And it just became whether or not Jack could accept the, like, unexplainable, uh, you know. Right. Um, and so that's what was so disappointing about all of these, like, allusions to these, to these uh, icons of these different beliefs was that they didn't essentially mean anything. It's like they could have, and right. they were on that path. 
Right. But they didn't. Well, and the funny thing, one of the funny things, too, now that, you know, when you look back at it, is Locke is basically presented as this Christ figure because he dies and then comes back to life. Mm -hmm. But then we find out it wasn't, it's not him. It's basically the devil in his body. So it's like, what are you trying to say about Locke's faith or about, you know, uh, the religious, the significance of like, of the resurrection, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like this very subversive thing. Well, it's it's good that we're talking about this because it is the season when you when Dave you need to invite Jesus into your heart for for Christmas. <laughs> He's not allowed in my house. <laughs> not allowed in the house. This is a Jewish home. <laughs> there was a there was a menorah on top of a car at the beginning of Pretty Little Liars, which I was pleased to see in the shot. A little egalitarian. Really? You know? Oh yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah, it's in there. It's in there. Uh-huh. So so then the the most. The most holiday cheer we expect in the Greenwald home is maybe a wreath. Are you, are you allowing the wreath or are you going to take it's, it? Down? It's not in that. I don't, I'm not going to allow it in the house. <laughs> it can stay on, on the back in the backyard, perhaps the side of the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, were, we were presented with a wreath by our, um, our, our realtor, actually, who helped us buy our house. And um, it was very sweet of her. And I'm, I'm happy to have the gesture. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a holiday neutral. It's, it's, it's fine. It's more, it's more like the, the season. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, know, same with eggnog. You, you are a lover of eggnog. I am, but eggnog does not appear in the, in the new Testament. He doesn't, he doesn't convert water into eggnog. (laughs) It's just, it's just a delicious seasonal beverage that, that happens to be associated with. What about, what about candy canes? Well, candy canes are delicious. Okay. Any any food oriented element of the holidays, I think, is open season. So then, what do you do? What do you do on Christmas Day itself? Do you just like it's just a day off? Well, no. I mean, you know, it's it's a funny thing because uh, you know my wife is Christian, uh, her family is Christian, and so we will spend Christmas with them and uh, you know exchange holiday gifts and have it. The family will come over. We'll have a turkey dinner and do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's now a holiday that I am participating in, <laughs> which is, you know, which is fine. Uh, as long as I don't have to, you know, they don't, we're not going to church or mass or whatever. Yeah. Do they have a, uh, um, a nativity scene at their home? No. That's good. No. Not like Emily, who apparently just like, just dropped the whole fact that she, she never found her baby Jesus. Just oh. in the same way that they never found, uh. Mona's body, apparently. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Which is also an, uh, a thread that doesn't get pulled in this episode, which is that Emily loves Christmas. Mm-hmm. She's obsessed with Christmas in the last episode. And this one, she's like, oh, yeah, I've never been apart from my family for Christmas. It's very sad. And that's, like, the only mention of, like, this is your favorite holiday. Right. Like, w- why are you not more, a little bit more excited, you know, or something? I don't know. And no one's like, hey, where, where, Spencer, where are your parents? Right. Like, why aren't your parents here? Right. We're just going to make, we're just going to have Fitz make his, like, fucking Cornish game hen. <laughs> right. I did really enjoy uh, the Fitz pony joke in this episode. <laughs> like, how many ponies were you going to receive? Was that what they said at Christmas? That was pretty amazing. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I got two ponies. I only asked for one. Um, which I thought was great and also made me think of the Seinfeld episode in season one. Uh, where he's Jerry's talking about like how po- ponies are bullshit or whatever, <laughs> and the old lady at dinner's like, "I had a pony." 
<laughs> one of the like great season one Seinfeld episodes. The pony remark. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm struggling to pull much from this episode. I felt. I felt obligatory. I just didn't. There's just. I just, I don't know. I didn't like it very it's, much. You know, they've, the, the thing that I think made it troublesome and I think made the last couple episodes troublesome is that the show has, like, skipped over so much time. Mm-hmm. And it's usually a show that is very much in real time. It's almost like 24. You know, you get really a day or two of events per episode. Mm. And the last couple, like, first we jumped to Thanksgiving, then we jumped to Christmas. So you've skipped over, like, weeks of plot. You know, what have they been doing this whole right. time? It's it's such a dense show, and it's like, have they just been chilling, knowing that like Allison maybe killed Mona and is just hanging out, going to school? Right. Like, what how, what part of that makes any sense? You That's know? true. It's like, yeah. I mean, granted, you we we when we revisit the liars, you know, they've had some time to mourn, or they've had I don't know. Um, well, they've had both. About three or four weeks, you know, from, sure. from Thanksgiving to Christmas. And, um, yeah, and we see we see Hannah being pretty, like, shaken up about it still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but for, you know, for the most part, it's just sort of like, you know, especially someone like Spencer, who, she's got all this time on her hands because she is, you know, on bail. Yeah. Or, and they're not even in school, like, they're basically on break. Right, you know? why is she not, like, done more... What is she mystery. doing this whole time? Right, like, shouldn't she be, like, on Adderall trying to solve the mystery right now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird, and it feels like sort of an artificial, you know, uh, shift for the show to have to push ahead into these holidays to try to keep up with, like, show scheduling or whatever, which the show has not really done in the past, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, one of the Halloween episodes was, or I think two of them, right, are flashback episodes, so they don't even happen in regular continuity. Or two flashbacks? One is before Allison disappeared. Right. And then the train one. Yeah, the train one's not a flashback. And then the, the Ravenswood one. So there's only one okay. So yeah, so one is a flashback. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. The thing is that the episodes that follow the Halloween train are come right after. There's not like, oh, three months went by and now we're picking it back up and now whatever so that i don't know that that just seems out of character it just shakes up sort of the momentum of the show and the tension of the show i wonder why is that why do they do that you know i don't know i don't feel like they have to so it feels kind of like a weird a weird decision to me yeah yeah um yeah nothing man and you know where is allison's dad where is her brother? Yeah, you know she. She, you know, yeah. Like, like where, you, where are her future legs? <laughs> what What's going to happen with that? Who's going to kill Allison? And after Allison dies, what happens? Are the liars still? In, who would be after? You know, it all comes down to like our central question of like who gives a shit? Like who Who is the original A? You know. Well, because Bethany Young is dead. Allie's mom is dead. It's not her dad. You know, it could be one of the adults. Uh, it could be Melissa, um, but you know, outside of it could be it could be her brother. But outside of those central characters, uh, who would it be? And w- you know, none of those characters have gripes with the liars like Jenna does. That's the thing. It's like okay, so yeah, like so now that we, I think that you know we were we were talking originally about how the the books ended 
the books got to a point where you realized that Allie, that, that Allie had a twin, and the twin was the Allie growing up. But the real Allie was A, and the real Allie was, was in the insane asylum uh-huh. and was just a psychopathic murderer. Sure. This, this is, this is the, the books. So in the TV show, that motif is there. I mean, and, and that's another thing is like the, the twin, the, the twin symbology in this episode was so heavy handed and so in your face the right, whole time. Right. Um, that it's just like, okay, so assuming the show is going to go down that path where Allie has a twin or something like that, that Bethany might be well, her sister, her sister. Yeah. Probably is her sister. Right. And then, so, okay, so you have this, like, some, somehow the existence of Bethany is something that is a, a shame on the De Laurentiis family, enough so that Hallie's dad is, like, crazy over it. So who's, then... Who's, so, Bethany's, who's Bethany's dad? Who's Mr. Young? Because it's not Spencer's dad, presumably. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Unless unless Mrs. De Laurentiis has been like having affairs with everybody. Just all over. Just running around town. Who who could she have an affair with that would be so damning as to make it so that Bethany should be dead? Like and also why would Bethany be dead? Right. Unless I think Allison just wanted to kill her in a jealous rage, or in or you know something, she she was a convenient way out for her to fake her own death. Yeah, or somebody wanted to kill Allison, and somehow Allison worked it so that Bethany could die in her place. Yeah, maybe that's what as Allison is dealing with that guilt, and that's why she thinks she's such a terrible person is because right. she basically set Bethany up to die. Right. That's fair. Yeah, I think, you know, we've seen Allison go from being a, a portrayed as a pretty sympathetic character to being a really dark, vicious character. And this episode kind of paints more of an unclear picture of her emotional state. But, you know, again, we didn't get to go through the whole Ghosts of Christmas everything and have Allie, like, be faced with the reality of her misdeeds. You know, yeah. it sort of skips any real catharsis we would have and just goes right to, yeah, you're dead. Not going to really talk about why. You know why. Yeah. You know, good for you. Well, okay, so let's so let's go back. You know, now this is starting to make a little bit of sense. So, so Allie is able to convince Bethany to come to the house uh-huh. on Labor Day weekend, right? And in order in order to basically like set her up to die, and um, Melissa says that she sees Spencer hitting someone in the head with a shovel. Right. Uh, I think that, and maybe this also backs up our Jason theory, I think that Melissa hit that person over the head with a shovel. Fair. Is trying to blame it on Spencer because she knows that Spencer had that like those blackouts. Right. And was like a drug addict. Right. Um, and Spencer wanted to kill Allie she didn't know that she she didn't know there was Bethany that she was killing. Right. So, Melissa wanted to kill Allie because Allie had dirt on them. The dirt that she had might have had something to do with Melissa's like love affair with Jason. 
Right. Because but Jason was dating Cece at the time, also. So that's like another, and then Cece like bailed on him right after that. So I think her role in all this is going to end up being very prominent. And but Cece was having like a like an, what, an affair with Wilden. Was she? Was that the... remember like that they took the, there's that picture of Wilden with them out in like where the hell they were on the boat. Right. Um, and so then Wilden was involved in that whole, the whole A conspiracy. Right. With Melissa. Right. And Cece, apparently. Are Cece and Melissa enemies? Maybe. I mean, they kind of have to be, right? Maybe that... There you go. So, Melissa Maybe. is secretly in love with Jason. Jason was with Cece. Yeah. Cece found out about everything happening between Jason and Melissa. Right. And started to lose her shit. Right. She befriended or became obsessed with... Maybe she's obsessed with Allie because Allie is... Is Jason's? Maybe she's secretly obsessed with Jason. Yeah. And so Allie's the next best thing. Oh. Yeah, I like that. That that gets us a little bit closer. Because Cece is obviously obsessed with Allie. Sure, I agree. So. Huh. Okay. So. Yeah, but that's. But then okay, so then where does where does Ian fall into all of this? Uh huh. You know, because he's... And then he ends up dead. Right. I mean, so many of these people are dead. Right. Is the problem. So it's like someone needs to want to kill... I mean, what if... What if Cece ends up being A? I mean, that would be a pretty reasonable thing to happen. Right. Because that's so boring, though. <laughs> right. Such a yeah, boring it, a. it kind of is. Because you can see her sort of stringing Allison along. And earlier we think she's A, mm -hmm. you know, and she seems to have it out for people. And then Allison's like, no, she was protecting me. And it's like, uh, was she, though? Yeah. You know? Right. Did you just not understand what was happening? Did you, like, see something in, a, in the wrong way? Um, yeah, I don't know. I would like it if, if it ends with this, like, sort of soap opera finale of she. And Jason are all are in cahoots for some reason. Yeah. At, you know, like Allie's sister and, or Allie's brother and her best friend turned against her. I mean, <laughs> that would be like a pretty reasonable thing to me. Yeah. It'd be sort of silly. I don't know. It's not really what I want to happen, but it seems like a pretty good explanation. No. So then, I mean, and so, and we always have to come back to, to, to motivation where it's just like, why... Why are you doing all this? So if 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 CC is A, then why target the liars? Right. What's the point? Yeah. What is the point? Yeah. The thing. The other thing that bothered me in this episode is at the end, you have this huge Christmas tree that you know one person mm. can't bring over, obviously. Right. Uh, and it it's all lights. Merry Christmas, bitches. A. You know, at that point, why would you just sit and stare at it dumbly instead of like? Pick up your phone and call the cops and be like, hey, somebody, you know, has been harassing us and put this whole big thing on this person's garage. Can you, like, check it for fingerprints and shit, you know? Right. I mean, I guess it would have, like, you'd set it up with gloves or whatever. But even so, it's like, why would you not call the police? Like, what is there to hide at this point? What is, like, the, you know, I guess there's a lack of trust of the police. Uh -huh. And especially of this detective who it's, it seems like has been you know, working with Allie or, or seduced by Allie for a long time, mm. which seems pretty reasonable. It would explain, like, why he broke off from the other detective and was sort of 
pushing things along in his own way. Mm-hmm. So none of that. I think I think that's actually a relatively smart uh, plot device. Well, I think yeah. I mean, any time that it seems like it'd be reasonable for them to go to the cops, you can always just sort of answer that with a very blanket sort of like they don't trust the police. Right. You know? And like they've been, and it just like hasn't been a good situation. I don't know. It just seems like you know Mona's dead. Like, she was slaughtered in her mm-hmm. house. Yeah. And you're just like, they just seem so blasé about it. They're like, mm-hmm. well, it's probably not going to happen to us. Right. You know? I mean, to an extent, like, if someone wanted to kill you, they would have already. And the fact that they're just sort of being basically just dicked around and used to be distracting or to be an alibi for somebody or whatever, it's just like, you know, I... It's a little bit frustrating because we spent five seasons with these characters and it feels like they're actually not very important, you know? Right. They're just sort of this like very secondary thing in whatever larger conspiracy is going on with Allie and these other older people. Well, you know, that's kind of... um, It's true. We've spent five seasons with them and that's why at this point it's so much harder to excuse what is pretty obviously outright stupidity. (laughs) Um, I mean, like, it's just, even their whole, like, like not only are they, like, opening shit in the middle of the street, um, but their whole plan to search Allie's house is just so half-assed and so poorly put together. Yeah, let's just go in there, we'll split up, we'll just, you know, go through and read all their stuff, and we'll have, like, all night to do it, and we'll... Yeah, we'll have, we'll have Toby looking out for us, but there's no signals or anything. He's just going to, like, buzz us on the phone. Right, and, and Hannah, leaves her, Hannah leaves her phone downstairs. Oh, uh, so silly. Come on, Hannah. Like, it just doesn't... Like, it's so half-assed. So that, of course, A is going to show up. And A has a knife for some fucking no good reason. Like, for why? for scary reasons. Like, I thought that was well-directed, that whole sequence. I thought it was pretty scary. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. is like the... But it's a cheap thrill. Right. I mean, I think that at this point we can expect that the show is going to be well made um, and that they have their, like, their genre beats down to a science. Right. But um, it's so hard. Like, that's what, this is where the show just sort of is hitting a wall for me is, like, it's not, you've made it this far... Right. Challenge yourself to have these characters be as intelligent as you've made them. Right. Like let them grow up. You know? Right. It's I like mean, why are they're making they're, the same fucking mistakes over and over and yeah, over. They're and over. seniors and they're seniors in high school. Like they've been dealing with this for years. Like they should be a little bit smarter. Right. They should be a little bit more mature and capable of dealing with this stuff. Yeah. Like in, especially for someone like Spencer, who apparently is always on top of things, and but she makes these like ridiculous mistakes. Right. Right. It's like you couldn't. You have you have Toby, uh, fucking Christopher reaving it into the into the house <laughs> yeah. while they're like you know searching this creepy dark house, and they have no way yeah. for him to signal them otherwise. Like, what is he looking out for? Like, like what's yeah, the what's fucking even, point of what's him even, being there? Yeah, what's even the point? Right, and he ends up not like seeing jack shit. That's the thing. You think like okay. Chekhov's gun, he's got this camera, he'll get a photo. Yeah. He'll get somebody's face. No. <laughs> it's completely You're like, right. Oh, man. It's completely, like, useless. He gets he's just, no He's photo. just hanging out over there, doing nothing. The only reason he found out about it is because, what, like, uh, uh, Caleb called him or something? Was right, like, Caleb's hey. like, bro, 
<laughs> you do do job. Yeah, I don't know. Do you wonder what I wonder what Caleb and Toby think of Ezra? Well, yeah, that's another thing. You know, because like, Caleb and Toby, they're friends, they're buds. Sure, they're bros. And then all of a sudden, they're just like, "Well, I guess this guy's part of the crew." Yeah. What's up? What's up, Mr. Fitz, <laughs> for our former English teacher? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool seeing my former English teacher in his underwear. Right. That just felt... I, we were watching that, and I was just like, I'm super uncomfortable mm-hmm. that you have this grown man who would just be like, all right, let's all... Let, hey, high school kids, let's all just, like, do this, like, sexual thing together. Like, that's fun for everyone. Like, what? No. That's not okay. And how come, how come the boys were in their skivvies, but Paige was, like, just wearing, like jammies pretty much right, right like like come on you couldn't have gotten a little bit more risque page like yeah i mean i think that's fan service for the the uh hetero tween you know yeah contingent of the show but yeah there you know there was a lot of fan servicey things in the show that i thought were or this episode that were just like this would just not straight up not happen this is just like wish fulfillment right now there was no way this would actually happen in the real in like the context of the show no i just oh god it just it still bothers me is their whole their whole christmas dinner where there's just like seemingly no family what anywhere yeah yeah no i mean i don't you know i don't want to like keep dwelling on it but it is like this just really bizarre conspicuous thing Mm -hmm. that it is an episode completely sans adults and Allie is like throwing this gigantic bash where she's like the star for some reason and her dad's not there and it's like who even organized this like how what the fuck is this even yeah for you know and it's just like that's what made it feel very gossip girly to me because it's like every episode of gossip girls like well there's some other crazy society benefit on the upper east side and that's just where everything's gonna happen you know (laughs) what happens every episode and this just felt like where is all this money coming from? Like, how did this just get organized? How did it get put together? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there was just a lot, a lot that was weird. I'm excited Cece's back. I mean, I'm excited for the show to sort of get back to normal, I guess, in a month when it comes yeah. back. And I, like, hope it sort of finds its footing again. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was down with the sort of breakneck pace of the past. Well, actually, no, I, no, it wasn't breakneck because, I mean, I liked the season up until this point. Yeah, I think this has been a pretty strong season. Yeah, I just feel like this is such a nader, and I, I guess I, I, I feel that way because it's just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't fit. It felt, it felt both, both like a mix between just like, like, like fan service, like a just obligatory notes over and over and over, and like an attempt to really try and do something new. Um, that just didn't have any sort of, I don't know, grit to it. Yeah. And also, I, it's just sort of like, Mona, it's just like, oh, here's Mona. Right, here's Ghost Mona for some reason. Yeah. I hope Ghost Mona returns, and I hope the show becomes, like, it would be cool or weird if the Ghost Mona continued to, like, pop up, you know? Yeah. And be, like, the sort of, like, sitting on Allie's shoulder, you know, and be like, hmm, you should reconsider, Allison, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh... I don't think the show will do that. I think she will just like vanish into the mist and just be like one of these weird things that the show does. Um, but I don't know. In the past, when this show's dealt with the supernatural, like 
excluding the Ravenswood stuff, like it's been legitimately haunting and scary. Mm-hmm. And especially the Halloween episode where you have the little girl who's one of the who's like a twin yeah. come in and be a ghost and be clammy and like completely just terrifying and well yeah. done. And this is just like versus like Mona and goth makeup. Right. You know, and super campy. Yeah, exactly. And like she's got these like cute little locks. Like, you know, it's yeah. not like it's not like legitimate uh, you know, uh ghost of Christmas past like Dickens story where the ghost is like haggard and covered in chains and locks, like he's actually like bound right. to the grave. Yeah, I mean it's not even like, you know, the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. <laughs> that like there's more that was more legitimately frightening. Yeah. Oh man. So uh what what do you think about um God, this is this is another moment that there there could have been some revelation and just nothing happened was we find out that Sydney and um uh Jenna and Jenna are are part of Allison's uh you know army but that they're they're doing it because they're trying to protect themselves and they believe that Allison killed Mona but and so they're revealing this to Emily uh and Jenna tells this, like, really dumb story about how, oh, when I first came to town, Allison offered me her friendship. I turned her down. Um, I shouldn't have done that. Uh, and it's like, okay, duh. Yeah. You know, like, duh. Yeah. But, but no, at no moment, and Sydney is, like, desperately wanting to convince Emily that they're good. Right. But they never tell Emily about the fact that they were having secret fucking meetings with Mona. Right. Remember? Remember yeah, that? Yeah, totally. Like, if you want to convince Emily that you're on their side, tell them about your secret fucking meetings with Mona. Right. And who was the fourth member of those, those right. discussions, too? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of missing detail. I don't know. And then Emily's just like, okay, cool, peace. Like, right. It's, yeah, I mean... I, we've we've talked about this a lot, where it's like, how much information does the character need to vocalize? Because as the audience, you already know, right? But it's like the character doesn't, and it sort of has to exist in that space where you don't want to like repeat yourself and be boring, but you also need the character to like have acquired the information so everyone can sort of be on the same page, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, and it didn't feel like that happened here, but this episode was just so messy because it just had to hop around from like scary part to like chill christmas dinner to ghost of christmas whatever yeah and it was just like throwing too many things into one episode yeah one of those elements would have one of those things would have made one good episode right and that's why i just feel like a lot of the the plot points uh regarding the liars um like I think that that could have been they could have been part of a different episode at a different time. Like yeah. focus on if you, if the whole point of Allison's Christmas Carol tangent is to uh, predominantly make her feel somewhat like a sympathetic character, like she's not just this like evil, terrible thing, right? You know that she has some depth to her, that she feels guilt, um, that she obviously has done some terrible things. And she feels guilt for it, and you know the same the same reason why the Christmas Carol is, exists, which is to have this. Well, does she feel guilt though? Irredeemable character. I don't think she does because she says, "Am I going to hell?" She does. She says, "You know, what's going to be the punishment for me?" She doesn't say, "I can change." 
She doesn't say, uh, I've been so bad. She wa- She's only concerned about the, um, the consequence. Well, isn't that kind of the, I mean, that's kind of the, always the, 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 the sort of subversive point behind the a Christmas Carol is that Scrooge, he doesn't change. He's just afraid of the consequences of being who he is. Right. So it's not actual. It's, he's not actually seeking redemption. He's just doesn't want to deal with all the shit of being a, a dick. So it's the same thing with, and maybe it could be the same thing with Allison, where it's just like. She knows that she's going to get her comeuppance, and so she's afraid of the comeuppance. She's not afraid of being a terrible person. She's afraid of the comeuppance. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I mean, I think A Christmas Carol, because it is more of an extensive narrative, I think is able to paint more of a a, a wider vision of those events, you know, because you get to see Scrooge's first love who he gave up and you know mm-hmm. i it, i mean it's so much more nuanced like yeah. i think there is like the element of redemption in it uh i don't think it's i don't think it's black and white but there's none of that in this episode mm-hmm. it's just pretty much like well here you are ch-. i mean and i thought the scene of her as a child getting faced with her mom like i thought that was like oh this is such a great scene and you see where allison's whole like life sort of spirals out from that was a really cool scene but it's her like, mom's always been like kind of a crazy person right absolutely and how she has feels like she has to lie to survive and to protect herself yeah. and to protect her family to an extent i think we, we do need to see and maybe that's something that's truly missing is um we really need to see more of the liars family's past because yeah you know if if we see if we see more scenes like that with allison's mom then we see where is Allie coming from as, as a, as a character? Her, where is like her mom has always been crazy. That, that, that lends some more credence to, uh, who, uh, Allie's dad is. And, mm-hmm. um, but also like if we saw more past in the Hastings family, then maybe we could understand more yeah. like uh, about the, the affair that Mr. Hastings had with Mrs. Mrs. De Laurentiis. Um, there's just like these, I don't know. It's like these glimpses of the of the liars as children, in these really sort of traumatic or or potentially traumatic circumstances, really lend a lot of believability to the more um, stereotypical aspects of, of like a sociopath or like a. Like someone like Allison, who just could so easily just be like a one-note villain. Right. Well, I think that's what the show needs to do, is show us more of her inner life and more of her motivations. Uh, And when it has done that, I think it's been very effective. Um, But, you know, this episode chose to sort of go through a, a rote, you know, action plot instead of actually dealing more with Allison. You know, here's a character who was not on the show for four seasons, Mm -hmm. you know, who was like, maybe she's alive, maybe she's just this ghost, you know, whose sort of memory is haunting them, Mm -hmm. and they don't really know how to feel about her, you know, and then she comes back, and you're like, she's sympathetic, she's been on the run, we have no idea what's gone on with her in the last two years, really. Yeah. Uh, And clearly traumatic shit, one way or another. But then she sort of pivots hard into being a manipulative sociopath and the liars bail on her and Mona dies. And it's sort of like, 
she's just kind of been pulled from one emotional extreme to the next. Yeah. And as as viewers of the show, it's like, well, who is this person? Like, we need to have a little bit more so we can have just a a stronger emotional sort of tie one way or another, you know? And so I, I was, like, very excited about the beginning of the episode where they're like, well, here's where this starts. Here's some more background. And then it just gets dropped. And yeah. she just becomes this, like, sort of wooden figure the rest of the episode is just wandering around, you know, yeah. spying on the liars at the end for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it, it is, it is, it is kind of a tease. And that's, and that's also why, yeah, that's why the, the whole Christmas Carol thing just felt so, I don't know, worthless for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do want to say, um, as we, as we, uh, begin to wrap up, that um, we have ragged on this episode quite a bit, but um, a friend of mine from college, Kyle, is the co-writer on this episode, and I want to say congratulations to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, we used to live in the same dorm in UCLA uh, 11 years ago, and I know he has really, uh, he's been part of the show for a long time and uh, behind the scenes, uh, and I know has really hustled. Uh, you know, to be in this position and his, his dream, I think, for a long time has been to be a screenwriter. And now he's writing, uh, co-writing my favorite show. Yeah. Um, so that's super, super exciting. Um, yeah. And next and, time, give us all of uh, A Christmas Carol, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're sorry, Kyle, if, if we haven't been so nice. But I think that also, as, as you can probably expect, is you will see, I, I'm sure that we'll see his his name in a lot more credits from now on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it'll only get better. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I mean, you know, I'm excited for the show to sort of, this is the first Christmas episode and it felt like... It's a challenge. It's a know? challenge. It yeah. felt like they weren't sure entirely like how to handle everything. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think once it gets back into its rhythm... But, you know, the supernatural stuff is always a weird point for the show. Sometimes it's done in a really great way, like in the Halloween episode with the ghost. Mm -hmm. You know, and sometimes it's done like the Ravenswood stuff, where it just feels a little bit cheesy and out of character. So, uh... I think think this stuff could go either way, and I hope we see more Ghost Mona, because it's sort of funny and weird and a nice break from kind of the regular world of the show. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah well you know christmas is a is a holiday like very much like there's a lot more similarities between christmas and halloween than a lot of people expect because christmas is also the celebration of a ghost that's true <laughs> a baby ghost a, a baby ghost which is even creepier than halloween <laughs> we celebrate a baby ghost um yeah i you know i'm like I was saying before, I've read a lot about where the show is is, is heading and what uh, Marlene King is talking about, or what she's been revealing as to where she sees the show going from now on. And I mean, I have full confidence. That I I mean, they've they've been renewed for seven seasons. I'm sure that said the seventh season will probably be the last. We're supposed to find out who A is in season six. Okay. Yeah. Is what they said. And basically, she said, you know, that. Um, the next big step is the liars going to college yeah. and that, you know, that's the sort of the big conflict in the second half of the fifth season is, you know, their whole goal is to get out of Rosewood. Right. And they sort of figured that if they split up, that 
excuse me, if they split up, then it'll be harder for them to be tracked as if they're, like, all over the country. Sure. Which makes a lot of sense, but then, you know, like, how does that play into their relationships? Um, you know, is is Ezra going to follow Arya to some college town on the other side of the country? Right. What happened to, like, Ezra's ambitions and his sort of internal compass? You know, like, what he's not doing his book anymore. Uh, you know, obviously. Supposedly. He's just, like, has all this money from his parents or his mom. He seems like, he seemed a lot more comfortable spending it now. Yeah, he's just like, well, I don't give a shit. No. I'm just down for whatever. I'm just going to be a trust fund baby now. Yeah. Like, what? Like, who are you? You were a totally different character. He's finally acting like an actual person in their early 20s. Right. <laughs> right. And not, not, a, not, a, not, a, not a complete nutcase who's bugged everything. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like the Ezra stuff has all been undersold in terms of like, well, number one, him sleeping with a teenager. But number two, like, he bugged, he had cam- video cameras all over town. He had yeah. all this information. He was so close. Like, he should absolutely know more or be more helpful now. Like, Mona is dead. He was working with Mona directly. Like, That's true. Shouldn't he be, like, a little bit more concerned that this person has been murdered? Well, then why doesn't he have all of Mona's information? Do you right. think that, like, why didn't Mona... If Mona knew that she was going to die... Right. Or had, you know, had an idea that she... That might, that might be a, a possibility. Right. Then why didn't she have more in place to have her information somehow be bestowed upon somebody? Right. If, like... And the, the, the best possible person would have been Ezra. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, maybe this is stuff that the show will get to in the second half or into season six, but I, well, I then, think... Well, what are they waiting for? Like, well, why I, is Mona, like, waiting to, like, give her information? No, totally. Sometimes? And I think a lot of this... I think a lot of the Ezra stuff especially has sort of been, you know, sanded off so that he can just be, like, sort of play out this romantic relationship as opposed to being more of, like, a heroic protagonist himself. You know, that he's, bothers he's the, just become very secondary to like being Ezra, being Arya's boyfriend. That bothers the fuck out of me too, because the show, like, I understand that we're sort of navigating this weird area between us as fans of the show for very different reasons than a lot of people who watch the show are fans. But at the same time, it's just like there is enough fucking eye candy, there is enough shipper bullshit to wade through that. Do we really need Arya and and Ezra to have this continuing relationship when these characters have been established to a certain extent where it's just like they're both going against sort of the characterizations that they have? It's like Ezra has just like stopped being a character and now he's just a boyfriend. Um, like you were saying, like he's not he's not a character anymore. He's just this like fucking pervert who is getting what he wants. And right, right. um and Arya has lost all, um, lost all like moral fiber. Where she's just like she's she's not she's not uh, she's not resisting the the weirdness uh, or the unnerving nature of who Fitz was, and she's just fine with it now. It's just it's just like it's just this accepted thing where it's like I feel like I don't want to say that it's like the the sign of the end times or anything, but. Well, it's both with both. The total, the normalcy of the, uh, the normalcy of the Ezra relationship is to me a sign that m- that maybe there's been a line that we've crossed. And- well, and we also have all the liars now in these healthy romantic relationships, 
which we have not had really on the show before, as far as I can think of. Right. There's always been some drama or something. It wasn't allowed or it had to be secret or whatever. Mm -hmm. And now they're all just doing it. And, you know, these kinds of shows, that's like poison to these kinds of shows. Yeah. Like no one wants to see complete romantic happiness. There has to be some drama. So I think I that'll be something to watch for in the second half of season five. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, and Paige arbitrarily leaving is like certainly to for her fake parents, you know, who left their kid in, in Rosewood by herself, yeah. you know, to, in her senior year. Do you think that, do you think that that is... Uh, purposeful on the writer's part or that's uh, sort of compensating for an actor wanting to leave? I don't know. It's hard to say. That, I felt, mean, that felt so just like shoved in at the last moment. Right. I mean, I think the Paige-Emily relationship has the same issue as Arya and Ezra, which is that Arya was strong and went out on her own and broke up with this poisonous person, this toxic person, and... Um, Emily did the same thing, and then they both just backtracked because it was easy. Yeah. And that's, like, really frustrating to me to see these characters who had grown yeah. and become more confident and, like, learn something about life just be like, eh, fuck it. Yeah. Like, I, we'll just toss that out the window. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's really frustrating. Um, yeah, shit. And, I mean, uh, you know, it's... Other people certainly are are recapping this show and, and writing about this show, but I think we're really subjecting it to like a pretty intense level of inspection, <laughs> like more so than maybe has been is being widely done or than the show anticipates. Mm -hmm. And I think for the most part, the show holds up to it. Uh, it's only episodes like this one or you know some of these romantic relationships. Uh, which seem to the romantic relationships like did not seem as you know sort of cleanly presented as the actual mysteries. Well, uh, yeah, that's I think I don't think that we would be presenting or we would be confronting it with with such uh, such minute inspection if we didn't think that it could stand up to it. I mean, it's not like we're like recapping twenty four and constantly asking when they're going to the bathroom. You know, right, it's, right. Like it's just the show has done better. The show has had their characters grow, grow right. and, and become stronger people, stronger young women, growing up. Like, I think, like, like what we've talked about many times before, the show has, has been such a, um, a really uh, uh, illuminating and very finely tuned, uh, um, I don't know, serialized show about growing up. Absolutely. That is sort of, but is positioned in, in as sort of like as, as, a, as a genre piece when it's actually like really about these characters just trying to grow up and make it through high school. And, but recently it's, it's, it's almost, but recently it just seems to be serving, serving its baser instincts as far as who fans are. Right. Well, and all of these relationships, you know, especially Emily and Paige, who just sort of kiss and then boom, you're, it's now Thanksgiving and they're back together yeah. and they've been back together. Like we've missed some of the sort of emotional 
catharsis or emotional like grappling that the show needed to do in order to justify that relationship yeah. or to justify the Ezra relationship. But instead, because it's had this time jumping, we've just skipped right over that, which is very convenient for the show, but not to me as a person watching this relationship play out. You know, and that's maybe what's so, uh, yeah. And I think that's kind of what bothered me, especially at the end of the show. And I say like, you know, the last five minutes of this episode were just so terrible. Um, was that it wasn't like it was like extremely poorly written. It's just the last five minutes of the show were so tonally jarring that it didn't, it didn't feel like it was under control. And I, and I say that because it's like, so we, you know, establish very quickly that somehow the liars are, are, are incapable of leaving sponsor's house for some stupid reason. Uh, and then, uh, them being with all of their, like, their boyfriends, um, makes everything okay, and they're all happy, and they're all celebrating, and they have this great dinner, and everyone sees everyone in their underwear, and all this stuff. And then, with no warning, it's like, oh, yeah, but then Paige is leaving, so let's be sad. Oh, but Mona's dead, so let's be sad. It's just like, it's like, it's like, it's like in the middle of... It'd be like if you had, like, an 80s movie in the middle of, like, a workout montage with some, like, awesome, like, cock rock song. Right. You, you like, threw in someone getting eviscerated and dying. Like, it's just, like, right. they're so tonally jarring. It doesn't right. make any it, fucking it sense. It was almost, like, comical. It was almost like a Wet Hot American Summer or something. Yeah, exactly. Where you just have all this stuff going on in place of, like, what actually you would expect. And then they go outside, and then they see this, this the message a, from The A, a. banner. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's funny because the A messages used to be really intense, right? Right. And then, like, in the last couple seasons, it's just kind of been like, oh, an A message. I mean, I guess that's a thing. Mm -hmm. Because they probably feel like A is not going to kill them because mm -hmm. A hasn't killed them. So, like, who even cares? What do they have to lose? Yeah. You know, what secrets do they even still have that matter that would, like, be a problem to them, you know? And I think so the relevance of A has faded over the course of all this time. And yet A is still out there murdering people. So it's like... The show, I think, has to struggle a bit to actually make it seem scary because Ace clearly not going to kill them, you know? Mm -hmm. it's, they're just not – none of them are going to be – it's just not going to happen. Right. And, you know, so I – So there's no – the, the stakes have been just lowered, I think, for A. And it seems obvious, like, oh, they get a snow globe. Oh, A's bugging us, whatever. They're not scared about it. It's just, And it's just like – okay, well, you have to raise the stakes again right. somehow and figure out a way to make A actually threatening. Because right now it just feels like, who cares? Right. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? And I, also, and I think that it's pretty obvious that Allie didn't kill Mona. Even, even you know, like... I will hold out. I will hold out. I, okay, I, but... I will hold out. I think Stacey probably did. Right. But, uh, okay, but, you know, just, just in one last note is... If Allie actually killed Mona, then I don't. I think that Ghost Mona would have been a little bit more obvious about that fact. Right. That wasn't even like that wasn't even alluded to. That's all. true. So you, yeah, that's true. So it seems it seems like Cece probably did that. Also, there was an episode like four or five episodes ago where we see Mona behind glass as like maybe as somebody's in the dental dentist chair or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. Like, it's uh, it's Hannah's getting her hair dyed. Okay, Hannah's getting her hair dyed. Hannah's getting her little emo streak. And Mona is there with a blonde person. Remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought it was Cece at the time. Yeah. And we thought Cece had run off to Europe, 
but what if she's been back this whole time doing yeah. ba- doing badness mm-hmm. and working with uh, doing something with Mona trying to yeah. gain Mona's trust maybe and so when Mona got killed what was it like she saw she turns around and she freaks out and she's, she's like oh she's, you. she's scared yeah hmm. and it's a blonde person although anyone can wear a wig right Yeah, it's crazy. Unsolved mysteries. Um, all right, well, let's call it a day. Uh, thanks for being with us again. We are excited to have the show back. We are excited. Uh, it comes back first week of January, and we yeah. will be podcasting once a week again. Uh, you can rate us on iTunes. Uh, you can download this on uh, on Bandcamp, I think. Oh, we, yeah. will, we will have that on rockblog.net there for you. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if we have anything to plug at this moment. I'm drinking some eggnog from New Seasons Market. I, I'm a bit of a grocery store eggnog connoisseur, uh, and I, so I do really want to recommend this New Seasons eggnog. It is uh, creamy and and spiced with all the appropriate things. It's not watered down uh, or or not spiced enough, which are the two issues you run into with grocery store eggnog. So if you have a New Seasons in your neighborhood, uh, go pick that up. Um, I'm drinking an Apocalypse, I- Apocalypse IPA from Ten Barrel Brewing uh, out of Bend, Oregon, although they just got bought recently by, by Anheuser-Busch. Oh, yeah, they did, right? So um, this might be, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person to feel like, you know, it's the end of the world because they succeeded in expanding their business in ways that many of us wish we could do um, in any business venture, but... I think that this is a an IPA that I love very much, and it's 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 going to change. It has to. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think that it's going to become like undrinkable by any means, and I'm excited that you know my brother in Michigan will be able to drink it. But um, uh, it's it's going to change. So I am trying to savor it until that change happens. I just had their um, their winter ale. Mm. Uh, Pray for snow. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is a pretty solid beer. It's pretty good. Yeah. Also, yeah. Yeah, they have a they have, they have a good uh, session IPA too. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Oh, they're uh, what's it called? It's um, the Swill. Yes, the Swill is pretty good. Like solid, that. solid beer. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, well, with that, thank you for sitting through another another arduous episode of Pretty Little Grown Men as we have wrung every every inch of emotion uh, out of this episode. <laughs> yeah, and uh, who knows what'll happen next week? What we'll talk about, and uh, until then. Act normal, bitches.